Good morning. I thank God for the privilege of bringing God's message to you on this uh, 16th anniversary of our, our church. Uh, and uh, yes, it's a great occasion. Uh, I, I guess that anniversary is a times when we look backwards and forwards. We've done a bit of looking back this morning uh, and I won't repeat any of that. Uh, but I, I will repeat the welcome, uh, particularly to those of you who uh, are not regularly a part of uh, this congregation yet, uh, but uh, we, we are so thankful that you've come to help us celebrate today. Uh, we, anniversaries are times when you look back and you look forward, and we've done a bit of looking back, as I said, and, and we want to look forward today uh, I, I guess the, the one comment that I would make, is, it has already been made in a sense, is that 16 years ago you could count the congregation on the fingers of one hand. And now we don't even know each other's names, do we? Not all of them. Uh, so we, we join together in giving thanks to God, and not just for the increase in numbers, but also for the, the quality of the life of this church, for the unity and the, the harmony and, and the family love that we experience together uh, as we meet here in this place. But what lies ahead for the church? The church of Jesus Christ is facing difficult times. Our state and federal government have, have brought in laws which are totally opposite to Christian teaching. I'm not going to say what I think those things are. If you want to know what I think they are, I'll talk to you uh, during morning tea. Uh, but uh, as we face the future, the church is looking at very, very difficult times. Because of what's happening outside the church, but also we are in difficult times because of some things that happen, that have happened and that are happening within the church. The church that Jesus Christ founded and promised to build now faces problems from within the church in a way that, as far as I know, it, it has never faced before. Not to this extent anyway. Such factors as submitting to the, the pressure of vocal groups within the church who have neither the conviction nor the courage to swim against the current. And by the current I mean the immoral current of our country at this time. And, and in some instances people within the church structure who have been allowed to continue in leadership in spite of immorality in their lives. Uh, recently, I heard a political leader say that, that they were concentrating on transparency, accountability, and integrity and I thought wow how about that for the church 
And I, I, I want to re remind those of you who were here on Kennedy's first Sunday after his holiday when he challenged us on the point of integrity. Integrity. So I believe we are facing difficult times and I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you as I challenge myself by reminding you of an occasion recorded in the book of Exodus. I want to take you back there to chapter 33 and 34 of the book of Exodus and I'll be reading some select passages from there. An occasion when a great servant of God faced a tremendous challenge and, and difficulty. I'm taking you back to have a look at Moses and something that happened in his life from which I believe we can learn quite a deal. But before I do that, I just want to establish in your minds something that is a fact in relationships, and that is that when people are in a close relationship, they can look each other in the eye. They can face each other. They can sit or stand and be face to face in an open, healthy relationship. If they can't, there's something wrong in the relationship. Inability to relate face to face signifies that the relationship is less than healthy. But the ability and the willingness to, to relate face to face shows that the relationship is, is pretty healthy. Now there are a number of places in the Old Testament, some in the Psalms and elsewhere, where it speaks about God having to turn his face away from his people because of sin in their lives. And there are places too uh, when uh, the scripture speaks about people who couldn't raise their eyes heavenward because of shame and guilt in their lives. And you're wondering what this all has to do with Moses. Well, if you stick with us for a few minutes, you'll find out. I'm going to read from some, some passages uh, from 33 and 34 of the book of Exodus. And I want you to try as I do, to get a picture of what happened between God and Moses. God had told Moses to lead the people to, to the promised land, towards the promised land. Moses had a job to do. So does the church. Moses said, who's going to go with me? God said, I'll go with you on the basis of what the scripture describes as a face-to-face -face relationship that he had with Moses. They were close. There was nothing between them. Outside the Israelite camp, now perhaps I should just finish that, God has given the church a job to do. He has said he will go with us on the understanding that there is a close relationship between us and him, that there is nothing that stands between us. I want you to think about a face-to-face -face relationship as we talk about this, this event in the life of, 
of, of uh, Moses. Outside the Israelite camp, there was a tent to which Moses would go from time to time and there he would commune with God. Chapter 33, verse 9 says, When Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses, signifying his presence there. Verse 11, The Lord would speak with Moses face to face as a man speaks with a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. That was soon put right. You have said, I know you by name, you have found favour with me. If you are pleased with me, Lord, teach me your ways so that I may know you and find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't, let us, don't send us up from this place. In other words, we're not going anywhere unless we're sure of your presence with us. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know your name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Chapter 34, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and faithful and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And one further scripture from verse 29 of that chapter. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant. because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron, I'm continuing to read from verse 30, when Aaron, Moses' brother, uh, and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. And afterwards all the Israelites came back to him and he gave them all the commands that the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. And Moses would put a veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord again. Moses' face shone 
because he had a face-to-face -face encounter with Almighty God. That is, the way he communicated with people was different now that he had had an encounter with God. Because there was an intimate relationship between God and Moses, the way he communicated, which is what we do with our faces, the way he communicated was now different. Friends, as we, as we face a new church year, I wonder if, if our closeness to God is such that that impacts how we communicate with people and what we communicate, how we come across to them. Has our relationship with God in any sense changed our, I don't mean physical appearance, but the way we communicate with people, our personality and that which we transmit to them? Moses' face glowed noticeably. What made it glow? the interaction between him and God. Their two-way communion was at such a, a depth of spirit that something of the glory of God was transmitted to Moses. And when he came out from that, that was transmitted to the people. The word glory that is used here has the element of majestic brightness, shining splendour, stunning radiance. And somehow, in the closeness of their communion, Moses, as it were, absorbed something of that radiance, that glow, and it was undeniably noticeable to Aaron and the other leaders of the people. And friends, the question that I have been asking is, is there any way in which that kind of experience is meant for anyone apart from Moses? And my answer is yes. I believe yes. And I believe that the closer we are to our Lord, the more open our relationship with our God, the brighter will be the glow. Why not? Now, we're not going to discuss how many candle power our faces might emit or anything of that kind. But the principle of this concept is this, that because of his closeness to God, something of the nature and the glory of God was communicated to Moses and through Moses to the people. As we face the new church year, And each year looks like becoming increasingly difficult. As we face the new church year, the challenge is that the more intimate our relationship with God, the more of God's nature will be communicated to us and through us to the needy people around us. Isn't that what God wants us to be and do in the year and the years that lie ahead of us. Don't our contemporaries in this ungodly era 
need to see the glory of God. And through whom might they see it? Only those people who have a face-to-face relationship with Almighty God. It was, of course, to be expected that when Jesus came into the world, the glory of God would be seen through him. And in the first few verses, within the first few verses of John's Gospel, he says that that was the case. He says, we have beheld his glory, the only Son who is in the bosom of the Father, and you can't get much closer than that. He has made him known. The glory of the Father was made known through the Son. There, the Father and the Son are, are of, of one essence. They are one being. And so the glory of the Father was expressed through the Son, Jesus Christ, and shone out through him. And for the Christian who is close to his or her Lord, who is not allowing anything to come between in the way of, of disobedience and guilt, there is meant to be, as a result of that closeness, a spiritual absorbing of the nature of God that we can, by the grace of God, and by the strength of the Holy Spirit, can impart to others. And the kind of question I've been asking myself, and you can understand that there has been a deal of heart-searching as I have prepared this message, is what does anyone learn of God from my life and from yours? Do they understand him better because of what they see in my face, in my personality, in how I communicate with them? Is there in any sense anything resembling a glow in the way I communicate with people? Anything that that could convince them that God is a beautiful and an intimate reality in my life? Is my closeness to him Is the face-to-faceness of my relationship with him such that that closeness has been communicating something of his nature, of his glory to me that has been noticed by others? We sometimes read some lovely poems and statements and I just want to quote something that I've read. Someone wrote, When you came, you brought a sense of him. When you came, you brought a sense of him. I wonder if that is ever true of us. I have heard of people saying, when they've been in the company of certain Christians, that it became much more natural and easy for them to live a holy life in the company of those people. And I wonder if anyone would ever experience that when they are in our company. Are we close enough to our Lord? Do we guard our face-to-face relationship with him sufficiently for his nature, his glory, to be absorbed into us and passed on to other people? This is not a conscious thing. You might realise that Verse 29, which I read before, said, Moses was not aware that his face was radiant. That's interesting, isn't it? 
Moses was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. There is nothing contrived about it, nothing put on. If we live close to the Lord, there's going to be some sort of a glow. 2,000 years after, oh well, I'm not sure of my Old Testament history exactly, but at least 2,000 years uh, after uh, the, uh, the Apostle Paul. And, and, and this incident must have stayed in the minds of the Jewish people. The Apostle Paul refers to it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, and and uh, let me just read to you one of the verses there. He has referred to this, this incident, the, the uh, covering of the face and taking away of the veil and so on. And now he says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we... Are you listening to this? We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I want to read that again. We who with unveiled faces, that is no barrier between us and God, all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Paul is saying that the glory that... that uh, Shone in the face of Moses, who was the giver of the law, he has said that that's nothing to be compared with the glory that comes through the, the giving of, of the era of grace in Jesus Christ. And he is saying, as we behold the glory of the Lord, that is, close to him, allowing no barrier between, we are being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. We absorb the likeness of Jesus and we pass that on to others progressively. It's not something that happens at the moment of our conversion when we repent of our sin and accept by faith the forgiveness that Jesus Christ came to provide and place our lives under the Lordship of Jesus. It doesn't all happen then. It is a progressive thing, a process it will never stop in this life when we are being, as Paul says, changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. It's a progressive thing. It is the, it's the process that we often refer to as sanctification by which the Holy Spirit makes us more and more like our Lord. And this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit, he says. So friends, the closer that we live to God as we enter this new year of our church's life, the more intimate our communion with him, the more carefully we guard against anything that would become a barrier between us and him, the more we, like Moses, speak face to face with God, the more the Holy Spirit will create in us a greater and a greater likeness to our Lord Jesus. And our faces will in some way glow with the glory of God. Our church and every church is facing difficult times. 
I have heard people say, I don't have any problem or any quarrel with Jesus or his teachings, but I'm pretty unimpressed with some Christians. And I'm not at all impressed with the organised church. We have a challenge to make sure that they won't say that about us and about this church. Whatever validity there might be in that criticism of God's people and his church, it is clear that people need to see the glow of the true nature of Almighty God through his people. God wants to show needy people around us his true nature. We need to find ways to enhance our closeness with him, ways to enhance the face-to-faceness of our relationship with God so that he might be seen in our relationship with others. That might demand a lot more time in digesting the word of God. It might demand a lot more time in worshipful prayer. It might require us to spend more time in the company of Christ-like believers. It might require us disciplining ourselves as far as what we allow into our minds through sight and sound. Let's find out what it requires to have a truly face-to-face relationship with God. And let us support each other and encourage each other. Staying close to our God, living in a face-to-face relationship with him and allowing the glow to show. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you did for the people of Israel through your servant Moses. We thank you even more for what you have done for us through sending your son Jesus Christ into this world to show your glory, to let us know your true nature. Lord, in the quietness of this moment, we commit ourselves to a life of closeness with you that we might live in a face-to-face relationship with Almighty God, our Lord and our Saviour. In his name we pray. Amen.